So let me start out here and pass it to you. So what I was thinking was to talk about the Bhagavatam first. I'm writing this down as we speak. To talk about first the Bhagavatam, its author, and its recent translator. Or you should say, the recent translation. Right, the recent translation. And then what is our attempt? And that our would be... Our attempt is to make this accessible. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not asking. What I'm saying is recent... Just make it accessible so it's and interesting. Make it, connect the dots and make it like, make it a story, even though it is a story, but... It needs to be, you know, there an accessible are. story. There we are, people. And little, it, you know, really accentuate the, like, pull out the juice, basically. It's like you need to, like, ex- pull out the juice, extract the juice, and make it, you know, flow. It needs to be fluid. Well, that's why you read it verse by verse. You don't read the purports. What some people will do is with these Prabhupada texts, they will read the purport with the translation, with the transliteration, with the Sanskrit. And it's like, Sometimes oh, okay. the purports helped me because I'll just be like, oh, okay, that's what he was saying. For me, when I'm just verse by verse, I'm like, huh? I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I have to read the verse again. I'll read the verse again and then read the next verse and then put that verse together with that verse. And then when I go and read the purport, I'm like, oh, that's what he was saying. But then it takes me forever to read the purport because it's so wordy. And, you know, there's, it's just like you're going around and around to make one little point. And then by the time you get to the point, I'm like, holy crap, i got to read that over again. Yeah, 18 points in one verse that's about yeah, one thing. Yeah, and by the time you get to the point, you're like, what, what did he say? Well, what did he say in the beginning? And then I gotta go back to the beginning and be like, okay, read it again. Okay, so that's and the last. So that's the last last subject. Let's talk about the Bhagavatam. That's the last subject. That whole thing is the last subject. Once we've glorified the Bhagavatam thoroughly with these three other subjects, the Bhagavatam, the author, and the recent translation. And so let's start on number one right now. Bhagavatam. What is the Bhagavatam? Well, you know what the, we just said is. What is the Bhagavatam? You know what the basics is. What is the Bhagavatam? The story of God? Basically. It's yeah. the story of Krishna, like, coming... No, I don't know. It's the... Okay, this is what I think it might be, and I don't know. It's the story of, of how Krishna came to this... Uh, to, to, uh, to this material, like, how he appeared somewhat materially... And, and how he came, like, how he came from, like, Vishnu's navel or something, or how, yeah, like, how it kind of materialized in a sense, even though it's not entirely materially because it's other dimensions, but how it kind of, like, materialized through the dimensions, how it materialized on Earth, how he took a body on Earth, and then how he went back again, right? Mm. Well, like, so Vishnu means kind of so like vishnu means all pervading he who all pervades the all pervading one vishnu and so like the all pervading one there's like a personality going along with that like a whole style and a whole aspect that's like a person 
And so, yeah, it really is, like you said, it's like the story of God. The Purana, Purana is like an old story. And then... Uh, That's what that means? Yeah, Purana means old story. And then Bhagavat means, it's, it's like a personal form of God. So you have the personal form of God and Purana, the story of the personal form of God. And so Vishnu is, while it is... A form. There she goes. While Vishnu is a form, it's a form that can have. It's many different forms. There's lots of different Vishnus, and there are some Vishnus that don't really have too much form at all. They only have the audio form. They only have the audible spoken form. There are different forms of Vishnu because that's the cool thing about it. Like these. This is where the whole concept of the avatar comes from. So if we understand what the avatar is. Oh, I see. Different yeah. avatars. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's why it's the story of God because God becomes the avatars. He becomes everything. Well, isn't Krishna book the story of God? Krishna book is the story of of just Krishna. Yeah, of Krishna. Of Krishna as Krishna. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly, because then Krishna, he is kind of like someone who lives on this block right here, and or it's like my super. You know, my super, he's in the building, and it's essentially, my super owned the building. I mean, he knows everybody, and everybody knows him, but not everybody goes to his house. So yeah, it's, they're all his floors. But you know, like the seventh floor, that's where he lives, and the specific door, that's where he is, and the specific room in that door, that's where he is. And when you go and talk to him, you could even talk to him, and you might not know him, you need to be someone that he loves for you to actually get to know this super. Super in my building. It's a nice guy. Name is Lucas. Lucas. Un mexicano. Un poblano. Un chaparito. Good guy, man. But yeah, so that's, that's the point is that the Bhagavatam really is, very simply put, the story of God. So all the other things you were saying are true you know yeah he's it's also the story of god manifested in the material world but not necessarily it's in, so there are so many realms in the material world they sometimes cross over onto the spiritual world so there's a lot of different stories not necessarily exactly. all and the material kind world of like they blend in so you're kind of like wait what is this yeah where did this happen oh that didn't happen here oh you know when he was talking about Krishna coming down and he was talking about like the disappearance of Krishna and I was like wait a minute oh he's talking about the disappearance of Krishna when he was here on earth like actually on earth right is that what he's saying that Krishna came to earth yeah when the Bhagavatam goes into detail about the different forms of God you kind of understand the way that just the same way I've explained to you the different colors and you have them all jumbled up you have your purple next to your 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 orange and and your red next to your your dark yellow. It's like I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just arrange these for you. We'll take the purple. We'll put it next to the magenta. We'll take the magenta. Put that next to the red. We'll take the red next to, next to the dark orange. We'll take the dark orange next to next to a yellow. Yellow next to the white. And look at that. I just turned purple to white. So you can see how the different colors in my in my example. Are, are like the different forms of God. And so as you understand, getting closer and closer to these pure forms of, these closer forms to God, it's like the super. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit closer with a super because I was a super and I've talked to him about different things. We're, we're cool together like that. I can talk to him about things. But I'm not that close. I'm not as close as his son. You know what I mean? So it's like Krishna actually, Krishna actually has people who are tight with him, who call him Krishna. So it's not like Krishna comes into this material world in all these different forms. Like Krishna is kind of selective. But Krishna can manifest as Vishnu and get, you know, less selective. And then as Vishnu, he can expand as Brahma and become even less selective. And then as Brahma, he can have Shiva pop out of his forehead and becomes even less selective. To the point where you get Shiva, you come out at night, all the goose, goals, and goblins, they come out and they follow you as you course across the sky from the, what is it, from the west to the east, no, from the east to the west. The west to the east, I think it is. West to the east. You go opposite direction of the sun. Anyway, that's, that's what happens at night, supposedly. But that's not really in the Bhagavatam. That's just, some, that's just some Hindu stuff that gets passed down. Who knows if it's true? It might be mentioned somewhere in the Puranas. I don't even doubt it. It sounds kind of more energetic than, you know what I mean? Like, energy's moving from the west to the east when they're moving from the east to the west in the daytime. Knows. She what, really, is, why, what makes it Hindu, or, or isn't it more I'm, just, What I'm um, saying is that this is something that's, it's almost like that's not in the Bhagavatam. All I'm saying is that that's not in the Bhagavatam. Right, but I'm saying, like, is it an astrology thing? Uh, like I think it's, like, I don't know. I think it's, this is passed down, like, when you're, when you're, when you live in the temple, you live with the devotees, like, lots of things get passed down that aren't exactly in the books. And so, one of the things, for example, people talk about how Ganesh wrote the Bhagavatam with his tusk. Oh, wow. Or no, he wrote the Vedas, he wrote the Mahabharata, I'm sorry, he wrote the Mahabharata with his tusk. And then the Mahabharata? But the Mahabharata was not written with the tusk of Ganesh. There's no Vedic stotra, no Vedic shloka where that's ever mentioned. So that's, that's the issue, is that you got, you got problems with a lot of the Hindu stuff, and that's why the Bhagavatam is so good, because we have a translation. What, what does Hindu mean, then? Well, Hindu comes from the word Sindhu, and Sindhu is a river in India that existed at one point, and it separated India from... The rest of the world, like at that point, for the people that came up with the word Hindu. It's like someone was like, oh, well, so you're with the Hindu religion. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't call it like Hindu religion. Like if you say someone's Hindu, then you're basically saying someone is from India. Is that correct? I think, it's, I think that's kind of fair because I don't like the whole Hindu des designation. It's a little bit... Yeah, it's almost like that's a Hindu religion, and honestly, I think it's offensive to people from India. When someone's like, oh, so you're Hindu, that's your religion? And it's like, no, my religion is, I'm a Vaishnav, or I'm a... No, like, people in India would understand that. People in India would like that, because in India, people in India, they, they know that there are Indians who are Muslims, and there are Indians who are Hindu. So, for them, it's just, a lot of them are actually trained by the mass media and stuff to think about it like just any other religion. In fact... The media makes Hinduism look ridiculous. They really, in the media in India, the media here, they're, they're, they're just on board with the Muslim destruction of every other religion. Because they don't like religions in general. Came out with like Bollywood and stuff. 
Is Bali? I have no idea about Bollywood. Anyway, the Bhagavatam in general Just make it is look like, like something they tried to touch in the Bhagavatam in Bollywood. They tried to touch in the Vedas in Bollywood, but they have to make it entertaining, and it becomes a degradation of, of the Vedas. Nowadays. We have the opportunity to not even have to go into productions. It can be just you and me here talking Bhagavatam and we can go into serious detail. Because when we're imagining these things, you and I are imagining these things. Imagine the sages assembling in a forest, right? This is the Bhagavatam. This is the beginning of the Bhagavatam. These sages are all, they're all sitting down and they're offering these things into the fire, right? <laughs> Excuse me. They're offering different stuff into the fire. And at one point they say, we offer this wood into the fire and all it makes us do is cry. <laughs> it's so funny because they're not, and they're like these stories of Krishna, they make us cry with, with joy. And these, in this fire, it makes us cry out of pain. <laughs> it's, and they're not really, they're not really, they're making, it's kind of like a Vedic, sage, ironic joke, you know what I mean? That, you know, the real, the real crying is when you understand how much Krishna loves you and how much he's, how much, I mean, to be sitting here talking Bhagavatam is, is a blessing. But yeah, so the Bhagavatam is the sages. And they're in this forest. And the forest in another Purana is mentioned. And this forest is famous because there was, in the other Purana, it's mentioned that there was like a big battle in this forest at one point. And in the forest, all these demons were about to rush the temple of some great sage. And right before they were able to get there, the first amounts of them, the, the deity in the temple came to life and chopped off the head of every demon in that forest in one second. In one second. And so, uh, I think it's a Nimesha, I think is the name of it, but that's the name of a second. That's the way you refer to a second in the Vedic terms, in, the, in Sanskrit. So, Naimi Sharanya means the forest where they are all taken out in a second. <laughs> oh, that, that's a forest, right? It's a place. That's a, that's a forest. It's like Dandakaranya. Dandakaranya is a, is a forest of, of beating. It's, it just sounds like the forest of of the dundas. I mean, you could mean, mean other things, but it sounds like a pretty rough forest, dundakaranya. So and is this like, would you consider the Bhagavatam, there's definitely like a lot of like violence? There is a lot of everything. It's, it's life. And so he's dealing with people in the material world at some points, but no. Compared to the Padma Purana, no way. It's not as violent as the Padma Purana. And then as you go down the Puranas, they become more and more violent because you're dealing with the modes. So if you deal with... So the, the, the Puranas, you can, you can divide them into three categories, and then within those three categories, there are also three categories. So then for each one, for the Tamasic categories of the, of the Puranas, they have some pretty violent stuff. 
pretty violent stuff. You want to hear some? I mean, there's some pretty violent stuff if your mind isn't to violence. No, I'm not into it. I was just saying that like, you asked about I seem to notice, but maybe it maybe it's because I'm into it. And I yeah, the sage would the sage would take you to the. I don't want to be into it, but I, I feel like I'm like wow. That's, I don't like like all the war stuff, but it's like he had to fight this guy and he had to fight that guy. And I was well, like, oh, it's a love there. story, but. Compared to I other piranhas, it's, I feel it's like not. There's it a lot of violence, but maybe, like not I said, either. that's where my unconscious mind is. In comparison to the Mahabharata, it's not as much violence. In comparison to the the Vedas, there's more violence. And compared to the Upanishads, there's I wouldn't say there's no, I wouldn't say because the Upanishads are, are there's a it's a much bigger. But the, to the other piranhas, there's it's the least violence I would say. There's the three the three piranhas that are in that category, they're all the, the Sattvic Puranas and they're all about Krishna and they're the least violent ones. So, that in general, they're talking about the material world, so there's violence, but it's usually just violence to people that want to kill Krishna because they hate that he's God. They can't stand that he's God and they're not. They want to be the center of the universe. They will not allow for him to be the center of the universe in their life. And they don't want others to have him as the center of the universe. Much like what's going on nowadays. They, it's not enough that they don't want people and their family and, and going to church. They don't want you going to church. But they can let you go to Walmart just as much. You can be right up there in the cash register, up in somebody's face. You know, you can be up in the aisle, crossing the aisle. It's not like these aisles are like <laughs> huge aisles. No, you're right next to people. What's going to happen? It's a stupid, stupid thing just to be, a, to bring it to like, you know, what is this? May 2020. But yeah, so that's what's going on. The sages are all meeting in Naimi Sharanya. I have a question before we get to that. Sorry, I'm super ADD. But um, would you say that like the level of like demonic activity that we have going on now, is it more than it ever was? Or is this just kind of like mild in comparison? It's mild in comparison to the last one. The last one what? So the yugas, they, they go on repeating themselves over and over and over and over again. There's been so a million times. Yuga, yuga means time, past time? Or yuga yuga is like, a, like a, a specific unit of time. So you got the Kali Yuga, and the Kali Yuga lasts 432,000 years. So 432,000 years is something that's repeated itself a million times. That one, Five, that one four, segment. Four plus three plus two, so that's nine? Yeah. Interesting. The numerology in it is all a lot of fun, and, and they pretty much match up. That's why you really like it when you get into other stuff, because you can talk to Masons. Masons, they know about certain periods of time, and their periods of time match up. And then if, you, if, you're, yeah, if you're into, like, overlap... That's, what I'm, that's why my podcast is Overlap, because I'm into Overlap. I want to talk about where do things, where do we have stuff in common? Where can I talk about this? So they say Rukta, right? What is Rukta? You know what Rukta is? Rukta? Yeah, we, this is an interesting word, right? Rukta? I don't know what that is. Okay, Rukta. Now, what if it's Roja? Do you know what it is Red. if it's Roja? Red? Yeah. So isn't that cool that rakta becomes red? So I think maybe red's from somewhere else, but 
Rakta is definitely where Roho comes from. But yeah, it's an overlap. And where there's overlap, we got to talk about it. The Mahabharata, uh, the stream, the well, I don't even know. What's that? Srimad What was the question? What yuga was the Srimad Bhagavatam? Well, so the, the Bhagavatam is constantly being added to. So there's a Bhagavatam, the last installation into the Bhagavatam was 5,000 years ago. And that's why when you're reading the Bhagavatam, the sages are assembling in the forest 5,000 years ago. And they're like, all right, we're going to, Krishna was just here. Okay. So let's, let's recite Bhagavatam and we're going to talk about Krishna. What they're going to do is they're going to update. They're going to give a Bhagavatam, you know, 2.0. It's the updated version of the Bhagavatam. Now they're going to give us the Bhagavatam with Krishna. Because up till then, the Bhagavatam existed. And there are definitely incarnations of Krishna. But there isn't Krishna. So when Krishna's there, so many things happen that they're like, okay, we're going to put an addition into the Bhagavatam. And this is where the Bhagavatam is going to be now. And so then when Prabhupada comes and he translates the Bhagavatam, and it becomes world-renowned. I mean, this is the biggest Bhagavatam. That in itself is, is itself another addition to the Bhagavatam. That's another addition to the Bhagavatam. You can't say, what's his name there? Ishwaram, whatever his name. There's these, these dudes that, sh- that translate the Bhagavatam into something thin, this, this thin little book. And Amala, Amala. Whatever his name is. These jokers, these guys, they're writing these books about the Bhagavatam and nobody knows who they are and nobody's even heard of the Bhagavatam in, in relation to them. But if you have, people have the Prabhupada Bhagavatam in their house, they don't even know it. Like, and it's like, that's how widespread this version of the Bhagavatam is. There are, to this day, I go to people's houses and I'll find some devotee sold them a Bhagavatam where he has a book and there are Bhagavatam verses all through it. Like, you know what I'm saying? What is it? The journey to other planets. And there's, there's some of these uh, books that Prabhupada put out that have lots of, Lots of Bhagavatam in it. I mean, fifth canto is all through. What is the uh, one's got fifth canto? Birth and death. Anyway, so there's a lot of nice things in the in, in all the Prabhupada literatures. But nowadays, we need to make it more accessible. That's the whole point, and that's what we're going to get into at the end because it's about being accessible, talking about things that you and I can relate to, other people can relate to. You know, this recent translation Prabhupada put together, it's. It's something that was, it was formulated for, the, for people in the 60s and the 70s. So in the 80s and the 90s, it was already like out of, it was already out of date. And the people, in the 80s and the 90s, it was already out of date. And it's in, already out of date, you're right. And you know yeah. what? They're still out there distributing those books, and I'm wondering, are people reading it? No, they're not reading it. We can, there was even a guy in Los Angeles... And this is back in the 90s. He would, what he would do is, he would watch as people took the book and threw it in the trash. And he would go, oh and, t- and, he would go and take the books out and then he would sell them back to the, to the devotees. He, he was not a devotee. I mean, in a sense, he was a devotee, but not really. And he sold the books back to the devotees because that's how much people care about a book you're pushing on them. And honestly... 
I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't even take the book, dude. If you're pushing books on me, I don't even want that. I need to have clicked on that digital square on my computer or on my, on my freaking phone and I want to listen to this or I want to order the book. I'm not taking a book you're pushing on me. That's me. So how am I devoting? Because somebody was talking to me. That's why. It wasn't because people were pushing books on me. People were talking to me and getting to know me as a person. And that's the thing that people have, that they just don't, they were way out of, they were out of date back in the 90s. What to speak of now? The people that have just kept themselves in these little bubbles, they're not, they're not really, they're about as much our allies as anybody else out here. They're really not, like, so I really don't care about reaching out to quote-unquote devotees in the neighborhood. Or I'm, I'm not really into that. I'm not going to name names. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not trying to reach out to these people because they are like old school methods. And like there's, there's new things going on, dude. There, there's like, there's digital technology. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of sad to even be, be talking about it. So I don't even need to address it more than in this podcast. But the fact is, people nowadays, man, they're about like, they're about something being accessible easy to understand and the Bhagavatam is, is prime entertainment. It's real good entertainment. It's the highest entertainment. It's the kind of entertainment that tells you in itself, take me seriously. Don't turn me on in the shower. Don't turn me on just like willy-nilly. Take me seriously. Because then if people can understand that, then that when they do is they're like, wait, 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 we're not going to have Bhagavatam. We can't do Bhagavatam. We gotta invite over Jim and Kathy and Sue and get these people over here into the house and start and, and start talking about them we'll have Bhagavatam. Cause like what what better way than to imagine it in your head? See I can you can look at someone's presentation, but you're imagining these sages walking through this forest, right? Mm-hmm. They say that this forest was so the the audio quality of this forest was so strong that Echoes, it would, the echoes would go. That the, the, the trees were set up in such a way that they echoed. Uh, it was, and, the, and you could, you would amplify your voice. It's just amazing to think about. Naimisharanya. So the sages are assembling in Naimisharanya and they're all agreeing. We need to talk about Krishna because we know the Bhagavatam and we've all heard it. But this is definitely the most relevant addition to the Bhagavatam. Possibly the most relevant addition to the Bhagavatam ever. Because, and then what happens is, they add, so they add these, these stories of Krishna, right? And they go on, and so you, you find out that there is another Gita. If you didn't know, Krishna spoke two Gitas. Gita means song. Aww. Yeah. So he sang it? Yeah, Krishna's very artistic. He will sing to you the thing you need to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Krishna's going to sing it up. Yeah, Krishna's a good singer, but imagine they say that Krishna's voice was, was soft and deep. 
imagine how how amazing that would have sounded somebody singing like that <laughs> you, just, you wouldn't want to say a thing yeah like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to say a thing you'd just be like okay oh man imagine Krishna starts speaking and you're like whoa okay I'm listening and experiencing It'd just be so heavy. But yeah, so Krishna, he speaks the Uddhava Gita. But that's why the devotees say it. <laughs> Uddhava. And then I think it's pronounced Uddhava. And the Uddhava Gita is, uh, in a lot of ways, more poetic and more artistic. And some people would say a little deeper than the Bhagavad Gita. But I think they're equally awesome. Because Uddhava was Krishna's friend. He was one of Krishna's best friends, Uddhava. And the cool thing about Uddhava is guess what? Mm. Uddhava looked like Krishna. <laughs> mm. you know, he looked a little different. He probably had like a bigger jar or something like that. But I don't know. I'm just making that up. <laughs> Uddhava looked different than Krishna in, in, in certain ways, but you'd probably have to know Krishna to know that. Otherwise, you'd think, hey, that blue guy. I don't know, that's Uddhava. So Uddhava was like Krishna's buddy. And he was really broken up because he knew Krishna was leaving. He was real sad. He was so sad Krishna was leaving, but that's in the end of the Bhagavatam. Imagine. So you really have to deserve that, that Gita. You don't, that Gita isn't like in the second canto. Cantos, for everybody listening, are like big chapters of the Bhagavatam that have chapters inside of them. Like the mega chapters. Capitulazos. Capitolote. Son capitolote. Capitulazo. Capitulote. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I, I'd call that a. I'd call that a. All right, we did the first three. Let's do the last one. What is our attempt here? What the hell are you trying to do talking about this Bhagavatam, huh? Who wouldn't? 
Even the people that don't like God, they want to know about it. They want to know. So funny. These, it, it's exactly what you're saying about like people who claim atheism and they're just like, I'm an atheist, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you're just, you are sick. You hate God so much that you want to just say you don't believe in him. It's like you're just like, in this, it's so false. So well, funny. The atheists, I'm just like, please. Yeah, it's like Anselm. You're making kind of Anselm's argument. Anselm's argument is that, you know, so your imagination is so good that you can imagine a world that's created without a God. And mine's good enough that I can imagine a world with a God. So <laughs> it is the only difference is that you can't imagine this for some reason, <laughs> for some crazy reason. Has nothing to do with your humility. Has something to do with something else, obviously. But for some reason, you can't imagine that the world comes from a person. You being a person can't imagine that. Yeah. But that's, that's really just you and I as the choir preaching to each other. I, if I'm going to ever talk atheism, I would love to talk it with a person because I'm really, at this point, I'm so, so patient to listen, you know, to why, to how, you know, for example, because there's evil in the world, that means there is no God. Or because I didn't hit the lottery, there is no God. Or when I wanted to talk with that girl and I wasn't allowed to, see, there is no God. Or, you know, I wanted, you know, butterscotch and God gave me chocolate. So, there is no God. <laughs> you really see, you hear the mood of the whole thing, really. I don't really care what you fill the blank in with. I got smacked in the face by this person. There is no God. I wanted to get my revenge. There is no God. You just keep going on. It's so funny. But at this point, I'm so patient to listen to that stuff. I don't need to, like, yeah, but just, I just listen I'm like, yeah, yeah. And usually it's just rage. The rage just starts coming out. I don't need to, I don't even need to say a thing. They're just going, the fact that I'm listening and they, they have, even if they have the inkling that I might not agree with them, it, the rage starts coming out. But if they think well, that... Well, I tell you, honestly, it's <laughs> leading, it kind of connects with this politics right now, that all these atheists are so angry and all these atheists are really attacking the quote-unquote conspiracies like the atheists are the ones like falling into this mainstream thing and the atheists are holding on to it like real like gripping onto this like that's what i'm finding because i find that the people even that are you know that are christians like a lot of people down here are christian and, um, and then, you know, like a lot of my friends, the devotees and Vaishnavs and stuff, a lot of these people um, are politically, we're, we're, we're politically on the same side. Like, we're politically, like, we're like, yeah, okay, this is crazy what's happening in government and what they're doing to people and they're suppressing people and they're lying to us and they're, they're trying to kill us and all this stuff. And I find that the people that believe in God are on that side and the atheists are on the other side. And I was just like, wow, that's so weird. That's, that's what it is. Isn't that crazy? Well, that's why the Bhagavatam is the best answer, because when you're giving yourself Bhagavatam in the morning, you're not, 
you're so many levels higher than any of that stuff that when you come down, you're like, oh, so what are you doing here on Earth? Like, I really don't. <laughs> You've been up in the stars with like, you know, these different avatars and these different planets and stuff. And then you, now you've come down and you're, and it's not something that's just like, oh, I'm just going to watch Star Wars. No, it's, it's something that's been passed down by people who are, who are not in, in like, in, in, like addicted to things like all the people that wrote Star Wars and made Star Wars and not, who are not like mired in materialism and just totally degraded. These people are the exact opposite. They've spent the entire lives refining and keeping themselves healthy mentally, physically. They spent, spent at least a good, a good portion of their life qualitatively with, with that thing in mind, with that whole intention. Purify their body and purify their mind and their intentions and, their, and the, the product of their life. So that's basically what you're doing when you listen to Bhagavatam. Your, your life is a success. The minute you listen to Bhagavatam or you talk about Bhagavatam to somebody else. I mean, within the Bhagavatam's understanding, your, your life just only keeps getting better from there. You keep listening to Bhagavatam, you keep understanding what's going on. Because when I, under, when I, like, when you meet the super and you see the way he talks, then you understand that you can't speak to him in no Puerto Rican. You got to speak to him in a more understandable, common street Spanish that he's going to understand. I'm not going to go, mira, te zafacón, loco. I'm not going to say that. I got to give him Mexican words or, 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 you know, borderline Spanish word for something. Nothing too cultural, dialectic, none of that. Sorry. Dialect. No dialect. So, and that's the thing about this. So the Bhagavatam was written with a very dialectical, like it's the 60s, it's the 70s, you know? So now... Every devotee can get, everybody that likes the Bhagavatam can get on a podcast and start talking about it with somebody else. The Bhagavatam's huge. And I would absolutely love to listen to other people's Bhagavatam to see what they're talking about, how they're pulling out. But I don't want to hear Bhagavatam just because you think it's Bhagavatam, you're going to go with somebody else's translation and use their translation. This is a translation that comes back down from some of the best translations. So I don't... I don't really know if there's, if there's much to be said about new translations unless we have some really good, respected, reputed Sanskrit scholars who have done something good. Like, I don't know, what is his name? What's the guy that made that? The guy, the guy that made the, uh, the Yoga Sutras, that did the Yoga Sutras. There's a number of guys that... Well, no. What I'm talking about is translators, modern translators, Sanskrit translators. There's a really good number of translators. Some of them are gone now, but some of them have done good things. Barbara Stoller Miller was a really good uh, Sanskrit scholar. And, of course, the, the devotees have lots of really good Sanskrit scholars. But they're not doing the Bhagavatam. So if they're not doing the Bhagavatam, I don't want to hear about new translations. I'd rather hear, why don't we take Prabhupada's version... And we'll read it, and we can give ourselves new versions of this, because I think that will prompt somebody to make a nice Sanskrit version of it, a new Sanskrit version of it. Because Prabhupada didn't. Prabhupada contributed this, but I don't think, I don't know. I don't think it's, it, it's necessary for us right now to like come up with a new, the Bhagavatam's a huge thing. Like if you're going to put the whole Bhagavatam together, 
You gotta be, you know who the name of that devotee is that put that audio Bhagavatam together is? It's like Amala or something. That's right. It's Amala Bhakta. That's a very interesting name for a, for a devotee who put the, who, I mean, and, and you, when you ever see a class, the guy is so on point. He's so inspirational. I really, I watched his, I saw a class in person in LA and he's, he hits all the points and he's, he, and he's encouraging. That's what I liked about it. He's encouraging. But he's a very, he's a very stalwart type of sage type of person. Like, you know, he's he just private life. And I don't even know, I'm sure he's still around. I hope he's still around. Yeah. That's just recording it. Like we could, we can do a different version. And honestly, you know what I'd like to do? I'll be honest about it. I'll be totally honest. I don't care. I'd like to make a version where we re replace the where we, where we, we refer to Krishna as the supreme person, just the way they do in French. Because in French, they refer to him as the supreme person in the books. So I don't think there's anything wrong with referring to uh, Krishna as the supreme person in English. We don't refer to each other as personalities. We refer to each other as persons. So in French, that was fine. I don't see why it, wasn't, why it had to be the supreme personality of Godhead in English. It sounds so and, weird. And for me, especially when I first started getting into this, like when I was like super young and getting into it, I didn't like it. I was like, that's weird. Why do they call him that? And I was always like, why do they have to say that? Like, why? That's weird. And then people turned me off. Really, it's like, it's, a, so funny. it's like a newbie, kind of like so non-understanding, non-patient, non, you know. Maybe normal, know. come on. Like, I, don't, I know a million people that didn't like that. Like, come on, nobody like liked that. That was for like the 60s and the 70s. It sounds weird. It makes them sound, it's weird. I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's just redundant. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's what it is. I accept it because I, I believe in it, and I, you know, but I, I still, it's such a. I'm not into that term. I don't think it's. I don't think it hurts to call it. Listen, we have to. This is what I was talking about before. You can only train the mind. You can only train the mind one way or the other. The mind isn't good. The mind isn't bad. You can only train it to one way or the other. So you train it towards what you do like. I like the supreme person. I like the way that sounds. I like the way it rolls off the tongue, and it's it's concise and it's and it's and it's heavy enough for modern people. Like just talking about another person is enough for these egomaniacs. They don't want to do that. So you say the supreme person. It's like whoa, that's that's enough, dude. You don't even have to say all that other stuff. The supreme person is 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 heavy enough that we could call it a brand new translation. And just have the supreme person in there, and everyone, you'd probably see all kind of controversy. <laughs> They're degrading the Bhagavatam. No respect for Prabhupada. <laughs> It'd be like, These people are demons. Look at her. And then, even in the modern, <laughs> to like modern people, it's kind of like, why, why do you need the supreme person? Like, what? Exactly. That's enough. And I don't mind because it's like people don't like that if they're generally too egotistical, too atheistic. Which I mean, if you're anything, if you're if you're too much fanat if you're too fanatical uh, into any of this, you're not going to get it. 
That Krishna is not a fanatic. Krishna is not a religious fanatic. I like that, that quote. That's, uh, that's resonant. Krishna is not a religious fanatic. So religious fanatics don't represent Krishna. That's Hridayananda uh, Swami. So, and, and none of that either. Like, I'm not really into doing a podcast where we, we refer to people as His Divine Grace. It's like, when do you speak like that about anybody? And if you're going to start speaking like that, who are we speaking with? It, I can speak with a Prabhupada disciple like that. And if I'm not speaking with a Prabhupada disciple like that, what's with the highfalutin tone? Because that's exactly what it sounds like. It's just like, we don't, you know, there's a certain amount of wordiness that comes off as cocky. And you don't want that. And that's what, it, what happens as the time, as time goes on, that those things, those parameters change. And as devotees, that means we're into music. And if we're into music, we're into intonation. And we're into intonation, we're into speaking, and we're into shlokas, and we're into the voice, the voice box, and all of this stuff. It's not that we're only into mantras. We don't care how you pronounce it. We're only into food. No, that's like, come on. This is the whole point. We can adapt to everything. I wouldn't mind seeing a movie, but it would have to start out like that. Imagine the forest. Imagine the forest where the trees look so perfectly, like they're all aligned in such a way that you know when you speak, it's going to create this crazy echo. Imagine that. You're in a forest and then there's this big clearing. You're in this clearing and then there's like a big fire and the sages are all sitting down around the fire and they have their, they have their bundle of, of wood and they have their shlokas Maybe they don't have their shlokas because back then they didn't carry around shlokas. They were all inside their head. They basically just have their wood and their butter and they have their, they have their little assistants with them. Each one of them probably has an assistant or two. The big ones probably have like a whole bunch of people. So at this, this is a huge gathering. When you really think about it, this isn't a couple of sages meeting in the forest. This is freaking, this might even be a thousand, more than a thousand people, even thousands of people. Imagine, all meeting in this forest, probably hanging from the trees like monkeys. <laughs> no, they're probably all sitting down, but that's the whole point of Naimisharanya is that you can speak and the echo can carry your voice. That's the cool thing about that forest. So the cool thing about this right here is we're talking about the Bhagavatam and you know, we haven't even started, you know, that, and that's kind of like the point. So if we do another one, it's like number, it's like the what is it? First verse. Janma That very first verse. Tenne Mugyanti Yatsuraya. Yeah, pretty nice verse. It's a big long verse, and there's two the first two verses of the Bhagavatam go together. The third verse, I mean it all goes together, but the third verse is a shloka shloka. But the first two are, are these long, very poetic um, invocations. Very powerful. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Oh, well, it seems like we got a lot in on that one. Jai. So there, that's, I said it about 45 minutes, we're at 47, 37. So I'm going to take it off now.
and we will record another Bhagavatam next time. That sounds good. That was, we did great. <laughs> Bat on the back. All right. So, signing off. <laughs>